T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to Overnight America with Ryan Recker on KMOX. Sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts, michaelsflooringoutlet.com. Dr. Gerald Lamero, he is someone that we've had on the show before. In fact, just a couple of weeks ago, he's got a couple of books out, uh, Real World Socialism being one of the more recent ones, but he's also an expert when it comes to forecasting elections, the forecasting models that we look at all so often. We're always wondering, who's winning? Who's this? What's going on here? And a couple of weeks ago, we had him on to talk about the presidential race between Trump and Biden, and he said that he would open up, take a look at some of our local races, and we welcome him back onto the show now. Thank you so much for coming back on. Oh, it's great to be with you. And by the way, for those of you who read my tweet, I sent out about 25,000 tweets. Uh, well, it's all at one shot, basically, yeah. about your show. And I said 933 instead of 905. <laughs> I saw that come through because you tagged me, and I thought, oh, boy, I better double-check, make sure I didn't look at the time wrong. Yeah, so and that's been, why uh, I'm just glad we're here tonight, so that's all that matters. Yeah, well, I resent the tweet, so hopefully we've just changed 25,000 people's minds. <laughs> <laughs> well, how, again, just a, a quick background. How many years have you been forecasting these different polling models? Well, actually, since I uh, got my Ph.D., which is uh, back in... Uh, Oh, the 70s, 1970. Mm-hmm. I, my yeah. first election I forecast was 1976. Mm-hmm. Goes and back. I had 49 out of 50 states correct. Wow, because you look at it different. You don't look at necessarily I don't do the polling. things that other ones do. Yeah, you do different. Do I don't different. do polling. I look at numbers, different statistics, and I, I learn things from it. For example, registration numbers. If you look at the registration numbers, they tell you a story. They tell you, are Republicans getting stronger in a state or Democrats? And the rate of change, what we call in calculus, the first derivative, mm-hmm. is also valuable. And I look mm-hmm. at statistics, all sorts of things, and I find a lot out. And I'm able to make good, accurate predictions, and I'm not even remotely close to polling. Because <laughs> polling <laughs> is phone calling. It's not looking yeah. at statistics. Uh, Dr. Lamero, your website, uh, greatnewsforamerica.com, a yes. place that people can look you up. And last time we were on, the, the reason we brought you on is because we had a listener that said, hey, we got to get you on the show. And you said that based on your forecasting, Donald Trump will be reelected. So has anything changed between now and then? He's picked up more support. It's going to be slightly stronger. Wow. Okay. So this He's is doing different really than- well. Yeah, like if you were to look at the national stories and the ones that continue to up the percentage for Joe Biden, you're going in the opposite direction in the sense that what you're looking at 
the models that you're forecasting different than what polling is, obviously. So, what again, you say you don't do polling in no. you know, the phone calls and things like that. So how is your modeling more accurate? Well, it's because I look at uh, what I consider to be meaningful statistics. For mm-hmm. example, I have pioneered in using voter intensity as a factor in whether or not someone's going to win. For example, let's say you talk to a pollster on August 1st. And you say, I'm going to vote for Joe Biden. Okay, what is the probability that that person will actually follow through and vote for Joe Biden? Now, the pollster thinks, well, he said I was going to vote for Joe Biden. I guess he's going to. But turns out that's not the case. The voter intensity in large measure determines whether or not they follow through. I study voter intensity and voter enthusiasm. And that's part of the reason Hillary Clinton lost as part of the reason Joe Biden's going to lose. His voter intensity and voter enthusiasm are very low, certainly in comparison to Donald Trump, which is very high. He's off the charts. Yeah. Well, you go back to the 1970s. So your track record, if you were to look at your batting average or something like that, how uh, successful have you been using this model over the years? Oh, I'd say typically 45 out of 50 states are right. I did hit 49 out of 50 one year. Pretty good. Yeah. I'd say most of the times I'm right. Last time in 2016, every state Trump carried, I predicted accurately. I also gave him New Hampshire, which in the final uh, analysis, he lost by like 400 votes. Wow. And 5,000 votes were later in dispute. And I think actually I was correct. And the count (laughs) was wrong. So, yeah. uh, Uh, But every state he carried, I got right, including Pennsylvania. Uh, Michigan, uh, Florida, North Carolina, Wisconsin, I got right. Yeah, all of them. Yeah, and Dr. Lamero, you mentioned, I think the last time we spoke, that you believe there could be one Senate seat that turns red in Michigan. Are you still looking at that? Yep, I'm expecting John James. He's a black conservative, very nice gentleman. I'm expecting him to win. Wow, so that would give the advantage. And that's the only Senate seat you see flipping? That's the only one I see flipping. That's important to a lot of the, uh, the, the, the way that we structure politics. Like we look at today the vote that got through when it came to the Supreme Court and how important it was for the Republicans to have that sort of advantage there. So if we were to, let's say, lose the Senate and that would have been flipped around, what kind of things would be? I mean, we've been at deadlock for everything if that was the case. So I think people worry about it. You know, even here locally, there's some very highly contested races. We have the yeah. first and second congressional districts, and we also have the governor's race. Um, I'm thinking after the break, do you mind coming back and we can try to look at those individual ones and see what I you're forecasting? I want to do that. Let's do oh, it. Oh, I'm so excited. This is great. So Dr. Gerald, and by the way, his website, greatnewsforamerica.com. You can find him right on there. Dr. Gerald Lamaro, and I think it'll be great. Uh, Dr. Gerald Lamaro, excuse me. He's going to continue our conversation next on Overnight America KMOX. Listening to KMOX has never been easier. Siri, play KMOX. Dr. Gerard Lamero is someone that, since the 1970s, has been forecasting elections, and his models have been very accurate. We talked about the president's race, and it still looks like uh, Donald Trump, according to his forecasting, will take the re-election in the general election next week. But what about some of our local races? So again, Dr. Lamero, I-, I thank you for joining us tonight on Overnight America. I'm happy to be with you. You have a great show. 
Thanks. So these models, uh, you can look at other races, too. It's not just the presidential race. Oh, absolutely. We have three big ones. Uh, the governor's race here in Missouri. We have Mike, the governor. Mike Parson. That, Mike, Mike Parson. Parson's going to win that easily over Nicole Galloway. You know, I'm Nicole Galloway right now is saying that she's within the margin of error. So she's uh, pushing hard for the last week. So well, you're not even I, I, seeing this as I a, a big deal. I assume she's looking at a very large margin of error because she's not even close. <laughs> when you say not even close, it's your confidence level is pretty high in that one. Yes, it is. And I think she'll be way out of the margin of error. <laughs> By the all is done. Um, and the other two that we look at are the two congressional districts, the first and second here in St. Louis. There's a lot of ads going on, at least for the second district. Uh, let's start with the first one. So we okay, had a Lacey Clay. By the way, he was in there for a long time. His father, too. So you kind of had the last name legacy going for many decades. He ran and lost in the primary. And we have a new challenger in Cory Bush coming up. Anthony Rogers right. is the Republican that's going up against him. Predominantly, that district has always voted Democrat forever. So uh, when you look at your forecast models, how does that look? It looks like Cory Bush is going to win fairly easily. Yeah, so it doesn't look like there's going to be much in the way of. No, he may have a that. little, slightly, a few less votes, but generally speaking, he's going to walk away easily. Corey Bush will? Yep. Yeah, so she's actually um, another one of the very progressive uh, style, and that's kind of a one. You see these in different districts around the country. You find that there right. has been a big push for more highly progressive style candidates in there. So uh, I don't think she's done much in the way of advertising. I think she kind of has it packed in because, yeah, she got a lot of money uh, donated, uh, the Soros type of money, but you don't see a lot of uh, anything. In fact, her challenger... Uh, Anthony Rogers, I think, prides himself on spending zero dollars getting his name out there. So there hasn't well, been much. That's a in... good investment. No money and no election. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's one. Now, the second one is a little bit different with Ann Wagner. They've been running ads nonstop. I've seen a lot of contention between Hill, uh, her and Jill Shoup. And I wonder what you are seeing in the second uh, congressional district. Well, some people think this race is close if you look strictly at polls. But uh, looking at the forecast model, Ann Wagner is going to win pretty easily over Jill. Uh, and so I think it's going to be an Ann Wagner victory. Okay, so those three that we were looking at locally here, Governor Parson will defend and right. be reelected as governor. Looks like Cory Bush will take the first congressional, and then and Ann, Ann Wagner, Wagner will be second. currently sitting there, is in the second district. Okay, yeah, I wonder... How the congressional I didn't, I didn't look, look at any other races for you, so I hope you don't ask me the third. <laughs> no, that was it. Those are the ones we discussed ahead of time. But I guess generally speaking, do you think there's going to be a lot of movement? Do you think there'll be any surprises this year when it comes to the congressional count? Because I, I know you looked at the Senate and you realized there could be, you know, the one in Michigan could flip, but that might be the only one that does that. Do you, do you foresee anything, at least in the broader sense? And in, in yeah, I don't know if you look is. at it congressionally. Yeah. The okay. Demo so the Democrats actually have quite a few uh, congressional districts where the Democrats are the incumbent right now, but Trump is going to wipe out their districts. He's going to be way ahead, and because of that, a lot of those districts are going to probably flip. Trump has done mm -hmm. what he could in campaigning and those big rallies and stuff to mm -hmm. bring up at each rally, you know, the local candidate for congressional district because he wants to flip the house. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of those districts are going to flip. I expect that. And I do expect the House to flip to Republican control. Yeah. 
Uh, Dr. Lamero, you know, one of the things that shocked me, and I know you're the anti-polling because you look at, you know, the numbers and the science behind it and all. But then you see some of the national news agencies saying, oh, the Democrats could take Texas. When you hear something like that, what, what goes through your mind? Uh, delusional. <laughs> so not a chance. Why do they say that? Why do you think they could project that? I really think they're dreaming. I really think they're hoping that everything's going to go their way, that so many people have left California at the last minute and they've moved to Texas and they'll bring their, their Democrat policies and votes to Texas. That's what I think they think. And I think they're ignoring, for example, the inroads Trump has made into the Hispanic vote in Texas. He has picked up a lot of uh, Democrat Hispanics who are supporting him. And I think they ignore that. And I don't think their polling is accurate because they don't have, every poll has an underlying model. I do modeling, forecast model. They have a different kind of model. They try to model the electorate and say, well, there's so many percent of this, so many percent of that. And then they call a thousand people and try to fit those thousand into their little buckets. And you know what? If your buckets are wrong, your answers are wrong no matter what you do. And that's what's happening. And they're doing it over and over again. I think the number is close to 70 million people have already submitted their right. vote, which is huge. And we're also looking at a massive turnout. They say the, probably the biggest presidential turnout we've had in the last 100 years, going back to the early 1900s. I'm predicting 135 million will vote. Well, how does, does that change anything when you see all of these early votes? Does that, uh, does that number yes, mean does. anything different? Oh, how so? Well, a couple of things. First of all, if you look at the rallies for Trump, and that's one of the measures, uh, we know that about 25% of the people have never voted before. Hmm. And they're coming out for Trump. So there are a lot of new voters for Trump. There also are a lot of Democrat voters who are switching to Trump. And by the way, at his... Um, at his rallies, about 20% of the people there are Democrats. And oh, I have wow. another little joke for the Democrats to think about. And that is, they think that because a lot of Democrats vote early, they're voting for Biden. Guess what, Democrats? A lot of those early Democrat voters are actually switching to Trump. So it's actually huh. Trump who's gaining quite a bit in the early voting. They don't even know that. You know, some of these different states like Florida, for example, they talk about, hey, we don't exactly know how they voted, but we kind of know if they were registered a certain way. Some states you, you can have you can register some you don't. But like in Florida, for example, they look at margins. So they say, OK, the, at least the DNC wanted this many votes in for pre-voting, but they're not seeing their registered base out there doing it in the numbers they wanted in order to take the state. So do things like that factor in to your uh, just basically the how people are registered when it comes to pre-voting? I do look at registration numbers. They are valuable. In Florida, since the last election, which Trump won, by the way, as you know, probably, since then, he has picked up 100,000 more voters. So I expect an easy victory in Florida. Wow. The contention. People wonder, too, what's going to happen after, if there's any sort of... Um, you know, let's say someone sends in a vote, but the individual state may argue they, they don't accept it because it was late or it wasn't registered yeah. the right way or whatever it is. So I don't even know if there's a way you can quantify what happens after the election for the number of votes that may be invalid that could even go to the Supreme Court in some cases to try to validate them or not. Does that, is that, that seems like it would be impossible to try to make up for those variables. Well, believe it or not, my models try to anticipate voter fraud and other voter irregularities because it could affect the election. I try the best I can to capture that information, 
and I hope I'm right. Uh, I do think you can expect uh, Trump to win. I do think you can expect rioting afterwards because a lot of Democrats are going to be angry. The Antifas and the BLM are probably going to be rioting. They've threatened it. Even Joe Biden has threatened it. He said, if you think things are bad now, wait till if Trump wins. He said that. I heard him. And uh, so I think you're going to see that. But you're also going to have the president-elect Trump is going to come out and say, we will not tolerate uh, this chaos and rioting in our streets. And he's going to really twist the arms of the Democrat governors to put an end to the rioting in that. But I think there will be some rioting, some, you know, demonstrations that get out of whack and get out of control. Uh, I think in terms of Biden going to court, remember Hillary Clinton said, and I more or less quote, that Joe Biden should not concede under any circumstances and hold out, you know, litigate, and maybe he can win in the courts. I mean, she must anticipate he's losing, because why would she say he shouldn't concede? If he was going to win and was ahead in the polls, why say that? So I think Uh the Democrats really know reality. And I don't think he's going to bother, even though he has, like, I think now 800 lawyers to litigate, ready to go. I do not think he's going to try to tie it up in the courts, because I think he's going to lose by too many states. And they're just not going to be able to find a way to victory through litigation. Ugh, army of lawyers sounds terrible. What, the it other does. thing, if we historically speaking, I'm, I'm wondering what happened in 2000 for you because we saw a contention there, the hanging chad and the Supreme Court getting involved when it came to Bush and Gore. Go back to your modeling in that sense, and what were some of the things you saw going into that election and how it played out? Bush was going to win, mm-hmm. and uh, he was going to win Florida, and more or less what I thought would happen happened i don't so, know how you can no 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 big surprises really the contention of one state and going to sometimes it gets down to the wire like you mentioned in our last interview you predicted too that uh, donald trump would have three supreme court justice nominations to right. film, which he did right. which was that pretty was another remarkable. prediction that was correct <laughs> Uh, Okay, well, these are a lot of big predictions. I think some people will find comfort in them because they're very anxious uh, of the election next week. They hear only one side a lot of times in the certain networks and get scared. So I I think um, this kind of helps ease the fears to let some people know that, hey, it's not a done deal. Like, you know, they project, what, 95, 98 percent that Joe Biden's going to win. No. So that's why the election is the election, and that's why I think you have to wait and see how these things play out. And so, by the way, what do you do on election night? What's your uh, what's your procedure? Well, right now I'm booking shows. <laughs> I've got a <laughs> bunch of people asking calling. me to come on, and I'm telling them, well, "How long do you want me on?" Because I got to go to the next show. Yeah. So, doctor, no, usually Gerard. election week, I'm booked yeah. solid. I yeah. almost lose my voice by the end of the week because I'm on so many shows. You got to get a lot of hot teas, things like that, to help soothe the yeah, vocal right. cords. A lot of Doctor, <laughs> Doctor Gerard Lamero. By the way, if people wanted to look you up online in social media, what are a couple of good places? Well, great news for America. Um, you know, you can get everything there. I have my Twitter feed show up on my website too. And by the way, I have about two hundred and thirty-five web pages. I have an enormous amount of information that's free. And I recommend everybody, especially if you're going to run for president, read my 10 Laws for Winning Presidential Elections, which I wrote about three decades ago. And the people who win usually use it. 
Very good. It's a nice resource for people to check out. Greatnewsforamerica.com. And who knows, maybe someone planning to run for president may be listening right now and this could be the very first time they've heard of that would be nice. heard of the website. Yeah, yeah wouldn't that be it? If they and then get just it, make sure. if it works, call me. Invite me to the inauguration. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> at least make sure we have good seats at the inauguration. Please invite That's me right. to for at least uh, facilitating this interview. And i got to thank you again for coming on. I know you were just on a few weeks ago. You dug deep. You oh, looked at some fine. of those local races, which were great. Dr. Gerald Lamaro, thank you for coming on to KMOX. Happy to come on. You've got a great show, and invite me back. Oh, yeah. And rest those vocals up. I know. Uh, okay. He joins us on the <laughs> Quiver River Electric guest line. Yeah, he's, he's going to be in high demand. Next week is going to be a wild one for sure. Uh, joining us next is a historian and author, Dr. Philip Goodrich. And he is talking a little bit about the Supreme Court and how Amy Coney Barrett, is she going to be good or bad for the Supreme Court? Now, as a historian, he can look at this with a little bit of backstory. We've had him on a few months ago, actually. He wrote Somerset, which was a fantastic book book on American history. So he joins us next on Overnight America KMOX. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. News Radio 1120 KMOX. The voice of the Cardinals. Dr. Philip Goodrich is a historian, also an author. We had him on, I think, in June to talk about his book, Somerset, which was a real fascinating look back in American history that kind of set off all kinds of other events, very important ones in our country's history. He joins us now to talk a little bit about the Supreme Court. Dr. Goodrich, thanks for coming on to KMOX. Hey, thanks for the invitation. It's always good to be there. I enjoyed Somerset in our conversation last time. How is that book in the reception of it? How's everything been going? 
I think it's uh, being received uh, better with almost every passing month. Uh, we do have an audio uh, format coming out first of the year, and uh, we're getting attention not only from other publishers, but we're also getting some attention from the uh, professional historians now. So it's a very good. exciting time. That is excellent. Now, looking, uh, I guess, at the Supreme Court, we saw that this week, in just a couple of days ago, Amy Coney Barrett was sworn in. Now she is a Supreme Court justice. And part of us is to figure out, well, based on what we've seen in the past, how do we think she'll do on the Supreme Court? I'm curious, do you think she'll be a good justice? I think she's going to be a superstar. Um, Yeah? This is a woman that clearly understands her role. She has articulated that remarkably well, I think, both in the Senate hearings and even in her brief remarks after her swearing in uh, uh, by Justice Thomas uh, just here recently. Um, But she clearly understands what her role is on the Supreme Court as she has articulated. She is not there to make laws. She is there to find the law. And that is a direct quotation from Lord Mansfield 250 years ago. Mm -hmm. I want to look at some of the previous Supreme Court justices. Who do you think she most resembles if we were trying to figure out how she looks at interpretation of the Constitution? Well, you know, she clerked for uh, Antonin Scalia, and I think there's going to be a lot of Scalia there. Um, She's a a terminologist, just like Scalia. I think uh, he probably taught her well. Mm -hmm. I hope so. Scalia was great, fantastic, and it was kind of a shock waking up one day. I think it was on a Saturday, all of a sudden, you get the breaking news alert that he passed away, and I couldn't believe it. I said, oh, I just can't believe this. He's such a great justice, and it's hard to believe even during the first term of Donald Trump that he was able to fill three Supreme Court justice seats. Now, this one with Amy Coney Barrett, I think her name was always batted around in some of the other discussions of who could be nominated to this sense, um, saving it for this right moment because you had a Ruth Bader Ginsburg and knowing that uh, maybe you would need to nominate a female to try to keep that dynamic on the Supreme Court was a smart thing, I believe. Now she's in before we get to the election, which got a lot of people upset. I'm curious, historically speaking, they always bring out the numbers and the statistics about, hey, it's an election year. You should wait till after the election, before, after the election. Do you have any thoughts on that when they use that as a political talking point? Well, probably just in the 20th century and the 21st century, there was once upon a time a concept called the Thurman Rule um, that some people interpreted that somewhere along the line, uh, Strom Thurmond in the Senate had actually made that a rule, but it was really more of an unspoken arrangement that uh, in the final year of, uh, of a president's term, they would not uh, replace a Supreme Court justice. But that's been uh, broken repeatedly over the course of the last 220 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, most famously, uh, Lincoln did that uh, when, uh, when Roger Taney, the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, died uh, a month and a half before the election, and uh, he was replaced. Um, so it, it isn't like this is some sort of new concept. Um, this has gone on intermittently throughout the uh, history of the Supreme Court. 
One of the other things think, that was pointed out that I didn't realize when Mitch McConnell was talking about all the other previous Supreme Court justices and their backgrounds, you have the Harvards and the Yales and, you know, these very fine institutions. And then comes Amy Coney Barrett from Notre Dame, which I didn't realize that's a rarity. You don't see normally someone elevate to that level that didn't come from a giant school that's looked at as one of the best. And I think that's a good thing, too, that you're starting to find that there are more bright constitutional minds that are outside of some of these other institutions. I think it's hugely valuable that we start looking for uh, leadership um, in uh, people that are more uh, attuned with the people. It's not casting aspersions on Ivy League justices because they have been competent over the years. But at the same time, I think it's great that we're starting to look at uh, justices that uh, pretty much had a growing up background, not unlike those of the people they're serving. You know, this is a young lady who was uh, born in New Orleans and uh, educated in the South in Memphis and uh, went to law school at uh, Notre Dame. And now she's uh, making a name for herself in uh, our nation's capital. Isn't that something? I I love seeing this. And the other side of it is I think she's the first Supreme Court justice to be uh, a mother where kids are still like school aged. You don't see that either, too. There's a lot of new things coming to the Supreme Court in that sense. What kind of things do you think she'll add to the Supreme Court moving forward? She's young. She has all these things going for her. What do you think her strong suits will be? I think she's going to have uh, a good outlook, uh, a refreshing outlook on uh, domestic uh, family issues, uh, on marriage, on what it means to be a parent, what it means to be a child, uh, what it means to have uh, essentially adopted children, what it means to adopt children, what it means to have uh, developmentally disabled children. Uh, All these things uh, she can speak to firsthand, and uh, she's got such a commanding presence, I think that the other uh, justices are going to sit up and take notice. I like that your historical understanding and the history that you've studied over the years gives you a certain perspective of things that we see today. And I think it's important to know our history. And what you find, too, is that a lot of times politicians or pundits and things argue that when it comes to the Constitution, it's an old, outdated document. And we don't really we're not we shouldn't abide by something that was written a long time ago. Other times you look at the other side and Amy Coney Barrett saying we need to look at the Constitution as the basis for how we rule and when it comes to law. We need to use that as the building blocks of these things and go back to it. And that's why it's so important if you're a judge or a Supreme Court justice to know that you're ruling based on what the law says as opposed to ruling from the bench or something the the way that you want it to be. So I was hoping that you can talk about why it's important to know your history and just in general, as you as a historian, when you go and you, you do these fact-finding hunts and you learn and then you apply it to what we're seeing today, why we should be taking an approach of knowing our history and applying it today as opposed to trying to ignore our history? Well, there's so much in uh, our history dating back from the Revolution forward uh, that will explain where we have come to today. Um We are just uh, starting to understand that our issues that have uh, precipitated uh, violence in our streets 
are issues that uh, were introduced during the revolution. Our issues with sports mascots were introduced during the American Revolution. And uh, it's, I think it's critical for uh, particularly white America to be aware of these issues, that these are not new, that this is not a new concept, and that the anger being unleashed is uh, perhaps 200 years of righteous wrath finally uh, erupting. At the same time, it's also critically important to understand that we have solutions to this embedded within our American Constitution. And there are ways of addressing all these things from a legal standpoint that don't necessarily require uh, violence or upheaval. They can be addressed uh, through thoughtful, conscientious application of uh, the constitutional principles. That is important because I think a lot of times you find leaders and, you know, I think leaders like Martin Luther King Jr. would point to the Constitution to say that we're included in this, not excluded, when a lot of times people would try to make arguments against what he was saying. And there's a lot of people that would fight and use the Constitution as a way to justify the things that they wanted into their lives. And that's a good approach. But it's almost the opposite today. Because when we go back and look at it, we say it, this actually shouldn't apply. We should do it this way or try to just basically rip it up and start from scratch, which I think is difficult and dangerous. And I think it also continues to divide us today when, as opposed to something that could actually unite us. I agree totally. Uh, part of our problem is that we've had a leadership vacuum throughout Washington now for the last 20 to 25 years. Um not just at the uh, legislative level, but at the executive level as well. And actually, I, that's what, one of the reasons I look uh, forward to the Supreme Court. And uh, I think we may see much of our leadership in the next generation coming from that source. Um, they keep harking back to uh, the issues that the Constitution has addressed and the uh, common law that has developed from interpretation of the Constitution by brilliant uh, judicial minds over the last 200 years. Hmm. So, Amy Coney Barrett, it's interesting to wonder, you know, I guess uh, just wonder how she's going to make an impact and how fast she'll make an impact. Do you mind staying after the break? We can talk a little bit about that. I'd love to. Thank you so much. Yeah, and you have to check out Dr. Philip Goodrich. You can look out his book, Somerset, and I just love the conversation of history that we had with him last time. And I know we still have the podcast up on our website if you wanted to search for him. But we're going to continue our conversation with historian and author Dr. Philip Goodrich next on Overnight America KMOX. Now back to Overnight America on KMOX. Sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts. Michaelsflooringoutlet.com. Historian and author Dr. Philip Goodrich joins us. And if people wanted to find out more about you, Dr. Goodrich, where can they look you up? I'd like them to go to my website. It's Phil, P-H-I-L, GoodrichAuthor.com. Perfect. And I wanted to ask you about another popular topic right now. Historically speaking, we've had nine Supreme Court justices for I forgot, 150 years or whatever the number is. It's a long time. Yep, since 1869. Yes, sir. It goes back. And the idea that has been run around in that even the candidate for president for the Democratic Party, Joe Biden, doesn't fully go out there and say, no, let's not do this. 
But you find that there's a lot of leaders in the party that are interested in packing the court, which would mean adding extra Supreme Court justices in order to try to balance it or even tilt it in a way that they want it to be. So when we talk about breaking norms and precedent, tell me what you think about and does that concern you if they decide to move forward and try to take that step? It concerns me personally a great deal. I think it uh, would show uh, almost uh, tone-deaf response to what we know historically about this concept of trying to pack the court. Uh, Most famously, this was attempted by uh, Franklin Roosevelt uh, back in 1936 when he was having trouble getting New Deal legislation uh, through uh, the uh, approval process of the Supreme Court in multiple uh, legal cases, and they kept knocking down his uh, New Deal uh, programs. And uh, his approach to packing the court was draconian by far. He said he wanted to be able to appoint six justices for every justice over the age of 70 that had served at least 10 years. And it would have left him with a cast of dozens of Supreme Court justices. Fortunately, uh, this never even saw the light of day in Congress because it was considered so horribly radical that uh, the U.S. was simply not ready for it, and his own party assisted in just closing that down. Um, But any effort to pack the Supreme Court would be short-sighted. We know that uh, time is the best corrector of any concerns about the the forthright honesty of justices, and we also know that the uh, Supreme Court functions perfectly well with the nine justices it has. We've got multiple other countries throughout the world that use the exact same model of nine justices, and it works very, very well as, uh, as, as the appropriate way for a Supreme Court to make their decisions. I historically look at this, too, and again, not popular by any means. If you were to talk to anyone, they would do a poll or whatever, and wide majority would say, no, they don't like the idea of packing the court. However, you find that some of the leadership unhappy with the confirmation of Amy Coney Barrett are using it as a threat, as in if we get the opportunity, we may do this unless you wait until confirming this uh, bench seat or whatever after the, after the election. So uh, even the threat of it is something I think a lot of people are turned off on let alone the idea of going through with it. Um, Practically speaking, it would probably be very difficult. The Republicans still had the Senate, I guess. But um, just the threat of it is something that should be concerning. So anyone that may be in favor of using that as a way to try to balance or shift back to a more liberal Supreme Court, what would your message be to them if someone was rooting for this? I would ask them to look through the entire history of the 20th century Supreme Court and realize that uh, the very man that tried to pack the Supreme Court ended up making nine judicial appointments to the Supreme Court himself, that time will solve issues that you may have, that if you do have issues with the way that uh, we have decided as an American people how to constitute our Supreme Court, you need to do a better effort at your your, uh, efforts to uh, fill the Oval Office. And uh, if you make a good effort at filling the Oval Office, the Supreme Court will take care of itself. But it's not supposed to be politicized. I I don't know whether your audience is aware or you're aware of the uh, excitement in the Supreme Court this evening. Uh, All nine justices had a chance to have their day in the sun, and all of them came through with flying colors. We've had two decisions tonight that uh, about 
the uh, the elective process in North Carolina and Pennsylvania, and every one of the nine justices had a role in that. And uh, wow. I, this is this is a victory. I hate the idea that it's being called a victory for the Democrats over the Republicans. It is not. This is a victory for the American people. This is a victory for the voting adults of the United States, because it said that we are going to have a fair voting process throughout these United States on the 3rd of November, and we are going to bend over backwards to make sure that happens. So hooray for all nine justices. They all came through. Every one of them has their imprimatur on these two decisions, mm. including yeah. Amy Coney Barrett. Yeah, she right away she's getting She recused herself. And I thought, good for you, Amy. She said, I'm not going to read through the amount of briefs that are here in a matter of four hours and give a decision that would insult the voters of North Carolina and the voters of Pennsylvania. I said, good for you, Amy. That's exactly what you needed to do. Yeah. And uh, I think when they look at the individual state and what the law stands for that, it's important to realize a lot of them do look at what is set up in the state and trying to uphold that as opposed to rewrite what could be the difficulties of absentee voting that we're seeing on a mass scale, on a federal level at least. And I, I wonder, too, there was one thing that Mitt Romney mentioned when it came to people asking him if he would be in favor of Amy Coney Barrett, and he said there's not this there's not this balance written in the stars when it comes to the Supreme Court, so it doesn't have to always lean a certain way. And that's why he said he's going to look at the candidate. In this case, he decided that he wanted to confirm this candidate. So do you think there's a major concern? Some people say that we're shifting too fast and it should be alarming that we're shifting the balance in the Supreme Court. Or is that sort of alarming, just politicizing something that doesn't need to be politicized? I think it's horrible politicization. Of, uh, of a process that has stood the test of time for 240 years. Um, the events of this evening have borne that out. Uh, on the question of the North Carolina um, voting process, we had the three liberal, quote-unquote, liberal justices, uh, Sotomayor and Kagan and uh, Breyer, joined, of all things, by Brett Kavanaugh and John Roberts. And I thought, mm-hmm. way to go, way to go. <laughs> yeah, and, that, that just did my heart good to see that, because that well, tells I, us that stop politicizing this. Because a lot of times, because of Kavanaugh, when he wrote that decision in Wisconsin, the idea was we're going to look at what the state law says, and we're not going to try to override what state law is, change the game of what the election is, and every state's different in that sense. So I, I feel good that in that they're not trying to politicize it in a way or try to change what was already there in order to try to retrofit it to what some people think should happen during this election. States already have these laws in place, and I think that's what the Supreme Court was looking at in these cases. But um, all good things. Now, I wanted to make sure your website gets out there one more time. If people wanted to look you up, where can they find you? I'm at Phil, P-H-I-L, GoodrichAuthor.com. Great. And your book, Somerset, is a fantastic read. If people haven't checked it out yet, you can find that and many other things that you're doing. Dr. Philip Goodrich, thank you so much for coming on to Overnight America. Thanks once again for inviting me. I appreciate the time. He's a fantastic historian, even better author. Or is that supposed to be the other way around? I guess both are good compliments. He joins us on the Quiver River Electric Guest Line on Overnight America KMOX. 
T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.